0: We're continuing our series here, a letter to modern-day Colossians, continuing to read and reread through this book of Colossians that was written by the Apostle Paul through, I believe, through the Holy Spirit that guided him to write this letter to Colossae is the name of the city there. And for perspective, we talked about it's just right there in the same little valley with Laodicea, which is the church that was written in the book of the Revelation and one of the seven churches. Today where we're at, the message for today is a new person, a new life. We're going to dive into the, uh, this chapter 3, dividing that out in the first 17 verses. And you're going to see this. Our big idea for today is very simple. As a result of knowing and surrendering to Jesus Christ, as a result of knowing and surrendering to Jesus Christ, you and I are different and we should live differently. When you know Jesus Christ, if you think you can live the same way you used to live, I would just say this in love, you don't know the Jesus Christ I know. Because there is no way you can know Jesus Christ, surrender to Jesus Christ, seek His Word, and seek the power of God through Jesus Christ, and then say, but I'll just remain the same, I'm okay this way. It's just not possible. And so the big idea is very simple. Because we know Jesus, the idea is we will live differently. Two main themes in 17 verses that are divided for us here, almost in half. And it's just simply this. You are now different. You should live differently. And I know that may sound like an oversimplification, but, you know, sometimes God just kind of has to lay it out there for us in the simplest of terms so that we understand we are different and we're supposed to live differently. The world should see us living differently. They should wonder, for those that don't know Jesus Christ, they should look at how we're living and going, wow, what's up with that? They should see things in us. They should see a joy in the midst of everything and go, how is that possible? And people will go, I want some of what you've got. And it won't be because we preach to them. I know, I'm up here, right? That's a difficult thing to say. But the reality of it is it'll be cause how we choose to live our life with one another, with the world that we're in at that time. And so we're going to dive right into the Scripture here. And we'll start off with this, first five verses, and we're jumping into chapter 3 now. First five verses of chapter 3 says this, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear in glo- with Him in glory. And then it goes on to say, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. And he lays this out, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desire, greed, which is idolatry. And as we look at these verses right here, God is telling us right here, and he starts off, and he says this at the beginning, so if you have been raised with Christ, it's a great statement, isn't it? And somebody says, well, I'm a believer. How do I know if I've been raised with Christ? God doesn't make this difficult for us, saints. If you know Jesus Christ and you have said, I surrender my life to the way and to the will of God because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross, you have, and it says died, but you have been raised up with Christ. You know, in the Bible it says we are co-heirs. When you use that word co-heirs, what it means is our inheritance is equal doesn't say we have the same gifts. It doesn't say that we're above Jesus, but it talks about the treasures, the things of this world, what God has for us, the blessings of God, everything that's there. Can you imagine that? When the will is read, we're co-heirs because we know Jesus Christ. We're on equal footing in that sense with the gifts and that all God has for us in that inheritance. And so we can look at this and it can be difficult for us sometimes, but if we look and we continue that the idea that coming to church and desperately seeking to know and be known by Jesus, you have been raised. Now, I'm very careful with that statement because I don't want you to think, well, just coming to church, that's not it. This is a part of our life, isn't it? And this is an important part of our life because God tells us in his word, do not forsake the gathering of believers. We're here for a reason. Our hearts are entwined. We need each other. And by needing each other means that God's going to use each one of us in our lives to grow stronger, to be better. And he's going to give us the strength that we need. And so God tells us this, and so we start off with that, but here's what He tells us in those in those verses. I'm going to give you three things in this. There's a series of threes. Makes sense. There's a trinity, isn't there? But let me just tell you, when we read those scriptures from the very beginning, here are the three things that He tells us. Seek the things above. Now, this can be difficult for some of us some of the time, you know, because it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God Almighty to judge the quick and the dead. But He says, Seek the things above. You know, it's really, it's, it's really refreshing in a sense, and it's scary. And here's why. When God says, seek the things that are above, God is not going to give you something that is impossible for you to accomplish, nor me. So when God lays this out and says, seek these things, God is saying, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have made that possible for you. That requires an action on your part to say, I am seeking the things of God. How do we do that? Through God's Word, through fellowship with each other, through prayer. That's what God is telling us there. Yes, we are to seek these things. And this idea that we're not capable, that is a lie from the evil one because you are fully capable to seek these things. The second thing he tells you then is to set your mind on the things above. And what God is saying is, set your mind, and really he's saying, set your spirit and your life on the things above. So it's this, look for these things, seek these things, but it's not enough to stargaze at those from afar. Now make it part of your life. Set your heart, set your mind on the things that you have sought from God, and he's going to give those things to you. But we have to make that determination. We have to decide. And then he says, and look, here's where the problem is. And he's telling us, you can't go on living the same way that you were living. When you seek the things of God, when you set your mind on it, you set your heart and your life on it. He's saying, oh, by the way, you really got to do this. You got to put to death the things of your past. Now, I want to tell you something, and this is really important for us. That sounds easy at times, doesn't it? Well, i just put to death. And sometimes we relate that to the things that we were doing. Well, I used to remember all the actions that he said in there, immorality, this and that, our language, our swearing, and, you know, all of the stuff like that. Not that that affects any of you. I'm referring to other people. Got you there, didn't I? Okay, good. Now rope back in with me. But what he's saying here is, and this is where some of the most difficult times in our lives are, And it's not in the things that we're doing. It's how Satan wants us to feel about ourselves because we've done those things. That's what the real issue is. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. You put that to death. But he's saying, and I want to tell you, the battle that we have so often as followers of Christ, that battle is not getting away from the things we used to do. Sometimes that's the easiest part. The most difficult thing to get away from is how we used to think about ourselves because we did those things. I've shared so many stories about my father. The biggest struggle in my father's life was he couldn't forgive himself. He forgave me for stupid things I had done. We held each other, we cried together, we had that time. But in that final moment, a month before his 70th birthday, as we're going through Scripture, and I told my dad, when I get to heaven, if you're not there, it's not going to be the same without you. My dad struggled to forgive himself. Oh, it wasn't the things he had done. He quit doing those. My dad quit drinking. He was a totally different person. But he'd been in three different churches, and he'd never made that decision that he was worthy enough to come before the king and acknowledge who Jesus Christ is and come before the king and said, please forgive me. So to spend an eternity. In 2005, my father passed and had a change of address. And do you know what? I know exactly where my dad is. I didn't lose my dad in 2005. He had a change of address. He sent me the postcard. He just lives someplace else. Bob lives someplace else. And we've got to remember that because he says we have that capability to put to death those things. And here's my encouragement to you. If you walk out of here, I know there's a big idea. I know there's other things. But you know, if you walk out of here with one thing today, would you consider praying and putting to death all the ways you used to think about yourself? because I've come to feel and believe that some of the greatest obstacles to the life, remember Jesus said, I came not just to give you life, but to give you life abundantly. I've come to believe and I've come to feel that the biggest obstacle that prevents us from having that abundant life is Satan constantly reminding us not of what we did, but of who we were. And I will tell you, listen to me carefully. You may have done those things in the past, but you're not the person that did those things. You're a different person. And those are the three things that he gives us right there. And when we continue on with this, right, and you got to get this because in, in 2 Corinthians, in 517, here's what he says, right? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he just said, if you know Jesus Christ, you're in Christ. You're a new creation. You're not the same. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. I I was very hesitant to say this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. You know, today marks one year since I've had the privilege and very humbling experience to come here as your teaching pastor with my beautiful wife, one year today. We'll give... We'll give a lot of that credit to all of you, right, because you could have left. Trust me, you could have. Do you know today also marks the anniversary that I married that young lady right there? And uh, so last year we started on our anniversary. This year we're on our anniversary here. Now, she struggles with this, but yesterday we finished 46 years. So what does that mean today? We are starting... 47 years. He, she goes, well, we've been married 46 years. I said, no, no, we're in our 47th as of today. I just want you to know that. And you know, when I, I thought about this right here, and I am so grateful for Billy, and I'm grateful. Nobody gave us a chance. I shared this earlier, to even make it a year to include my mom and all of my family. And I've said this before, there wasn't a single person that knew Me, her, that didn't think she was worth keeping. There was not a single person that that thought Chuck Stecker was smart enough to keep her. Got them all fooled. I gave her a hug this morning, and we laughed together because we have this thing on our anniversary where we get to laugh at everyone for not realizing that God was in the middle of this. She knew a lot earlier than I did, by the way, so I'll just tell you that. But when I think about this, you can ask Billy and say, so how's your marriage been? And she'll go, you know, we're in our 47th year and all but the first 10 haven't been bad. Some of you didn't get that. Some of you are being nice and not laughing, but in that process. And then I told her as I gave her a hug and gave her a kiss standing right there, it's because I remember the devotion I read today from a very good friend of mine. And he said this, this is for everybody that's married, everybody that's been married, everybody that's going to be married. You ready? There are two types of marriages. There are bad marriages and there are hard marriages. And it's when you realize it's a hard marriage but it's worth doing, then it becomes a good marriage, but marriage is hard. And that was at 5.30 this morning. I got a, a, I got that word in for me, that they're from a great friend. There are good marriages and there are hard marriages. And... Uh, There are good things about this faith in Jesus Christ, and there are things that are very hard, but God's walking us through this. So here's what we've got. Then we go from there, and he says this. Seek, set your mind, and put to death anything that's not of God. Seek God, you got it? Set your mind on God, and put to death anything that's not of God. And then we go to verses eight through 10. On this and here's what he says to us starting in verse 8 he says but now put away all the following anger wrath malice slander filthy language from your mouth do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self do you get that and all of the old practices and having put on the new self you are being renewed every day you are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator." Boy, isn't that an amazing thought there? That each day as we seek the things of God, we set our minds on it, and that's the important part there, and then we put to death those things, right? What God is saying to us, every day we are being renewed, but we got to allow that to happen, doesn't it? We've got to allow that to happen. I have these crazy thoughts, you know, and one of them happened to me yesterday. I was thinking about the message today. I ran out to get something, and we have this. It's, I know, it's $25 a month, but there's a car wash right by our King Supers, And all we have to do is pull up. It reads our license plate. The bill has already been paid. And our car is washed. Now, I know. You go, Chuck, where do you come up with this stuff? Now, how are you going to tie this to the message? That's God. You see? I'm going through a car wash yesterday. I'm watching the dirt come off of our car. The bill was already paid. All I had to do was show up. That's it. I drove up. The gate opened up. They waved me in. They sprayed off the front, front, and I'm sitting there going through the car wash, and I'm going, that's God. I know, don't compare God to a car wash, but it's not bad because you can do that every single day and you don't have to pay anything else to do it. The bill's been paid. He just looks at your face and says, come on in. You are being renewed every single day. I know, crazy theology, but let me tell you, it works because today God looks at your face. The bill's been paid and you get to be renewed again, washed again. Renewed in the image, it says, of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? And then right there, some of you are sitting there and you're going, okay, yeah, but this is how Satan works. This was my dad. He'd look around at a group like this and go, man, anybody that doesn't take God up on that offer is crazy. But then my dad would sit there and go, but what I have done is too bad. That won't work for me. I told you, my dad had a scholarship for three to five years to play rock hockey at a facility in Nebraska where he had an orange jumpsuit and all his meals were provided. And he was so valuable that they put guards around him to make sure nobody got in and hurt him. I mean, this guy was good, let me tell you, you know. And my dad literally thought, and there may be somebody sitting here today, but you're listening to this, You have this image of being washed clean again, and you're sitting here, and you look around at everybody and go, anybody that doesn't take God up on that offer is crazy. That's the greatest thing going. And then you go, but I don't think they have any idea what I've done, and that was my dad. And if that's you sitting here, here's a news flash. God knows what you've done, and do you know your bill's been paid? God knows. Every single thing. How great is that? And so, when we continue with this, you go, "Well, does that really mean everybody?" In Colossians three eleven, here is what he says: In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, right, slave, free, male. Yeah, let me just add to it: There is no male or female in Christ. There is no tall or short. There is no darker skinned and whiter skin. There is no financially well off and financially struggling. No, no, none of that exists in Christ. Do you understand? You exist in Christ. Each one of you. We're all in this. So, for clarity, God is saying, y'all, all y'alls. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. But that's everybody in this room. That's everybody that is in Christ. So that's what God is telling us. And what God is spinning this first part is just to say this. Because you know Christ, you are different. Make no mistake about it. You are different in God's eyes. You are a co-heir. You got this thing. But the battle will still be not me telling you. But you, knowing and believing, what God has said about you is the truth. And what Satan says about you and tries to whisper is a lie from hell. It just smells of smoke. Remember, if it smells like smoke, it's not coming from heaven. It's the truth, isn't it? That's another theological piece of this that's very important, isn't it? You know, we're going to slide from this. I told you there's two parts. Now we've got to live differently. We've got a video queued up for you. Last week after the service, we just called it a backpack distribution, but it was more than that. You're going to see on a video, and I know it's on our website, I know it's on our Facebook, but oh my goodness, just having been here and seeing Summit Church be different because they are different, I want you to see this. Go ahead and roll that video. We just got a few minutes on this one. Wow. You can, absolutely. The team always loves it. When I say, I think I'm going to go off script for a minute, and they think they have me in a time box, what are they going to do? Come up and kick me off. Marie, Andrew, come up here in the middle, please. Andrew, Marie just looked and go, I cannot believe he just did this. Come on, you two, right up here. Come on. Right here in the middle. I always get this thing from Andrew, our creative guy, that says, you know, the light's not that good down here. The light's great. These two people right here serve on the faith council for this community. They have relationships throughout the community in ways we can't even begin to know. As a result of the efforts in the faith community and then bringing all of that to Summit Church, we had the privilege of hosting this. And if you could have seen everything that was going on in that time frame. But this is just the beginning. Marie talked to us and said, the the school system cannot believe what took place here. And that's these two that are at the tip of the iceberg for us. So they've got everything about Summit and the two of them are sitting there and they're waiting for people to say, well, who will do this? And it's really that, who, you know, and, and you got to get this, you know, when he says, here I am, send me. And Isaiah, you got to realize he wasn't in the conversation. He was just overhearing God saying to the angels, we need something. Go, whoa, whoa, here I am, send me. I have the same picture with these two. They're sitting back there with this massive church. You know, we run about 2,000 a weekend, right, and all of that. And they're waiting for somebody to say something. They go, wait a minute, Summit can handle that. Why don't you let us take care of that? These two deserve a hand. We're representing, thank you. I know, I'll pay for that, I'll pay for that. All right, thank you, all right? And I'll just say, <laughs> oh my goodness. If you, think, if you think you're beginning to see a little of this where I'm proud of this church, you ain't seen nothing yet. But here, here's the point, that video, it's on, our lo- it's on our website, it's on there. You gotta watch that again. I'm just telling you, we called it backpack, but at the very beginning, kids got backpacks to choose from brand new, with school supplies. They went from there and you saw the table with books. They were by age and grade and they got to look through and take books, put them in. You saw the the bags, that was food that was given out to the families, anybody that wanted it. Then you saw the shoes. I don't know how this ministry does that, but this was all other people. We just opened it up and said, you can use our place and we'll do whatever we need to do to serve there. I uh, I got to be in my favorite role, and it wasn't as the pastor, teaching pastor here. My favorite role is when I get to be Papa Chuck. And being down on my knees, and there was two little girls, a little over one, and one was just a little over three. And many of the kids put their shoes in the backpack, or they carried them. These two young ladies put theirs on immediately. And they had to show everybody new shoes. I got new shoes. And if you think that chokes me up a little bit, I'm okay with that. You know, nothing really phases me emotionally. Um, You know, I'm kind of tougher than Superman's kneecap and Chinese arithmetic, and so nothing really phases me. But I tell you what, seeing them and those kids and those families. And here's what I want to tell everybody sitting here today. If you call some at your home, you were there last Sunday, because everything we do at this church is the spirit of everyone here. So, so many things go on, and you can't do everything, and we were kind of limited on our numbers a little bit. So every single one of you, picture this. Last Sunday, there as a kid was getting a pair of shoes, as they were getting a bag of food or a new backpack, I want you to know you were there because your church was there And we believe God was all over that. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing to serve the Lord because we live differently. So we continue in the Scriptures here, and here's what happens. To live differently, we know we're different. And so here's what God tells us, starting in verse 12 there. And He says this in 12 and 13. God says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also forgiven. And the beauty of this is, as I know the words at the beginning of this were a little tough, you know, when he talked about all of these things of our culture, whether it was language or all of this. But then God makes this very beautiful shift because he said, now, that was the things of your past. That's where the dividing line is in this Scripture. Everything he talked about back there, he's saying, but that was your past. Now, let me tell you. And he is saying, put on, because in the new self that you are, it is compassionate. It is kind. And we saw this over and over again. And you know, I'm. it's like each one of you and I are standing in Front of God, and we're really saying, like little children, is that really me? You know, compassion and kind and all of those things. Because I, I haven't been that before. And you're looking at, you're looking at God your Father, and you're going, but is that really me? I mean, can I do that? And God is looking at it and He's going, Yes, yes, you can. But He's starting by saying, But no, yes, you are. And because of who you are, all of these things are right there. Now, do we do it perfectly? Oh, my goodness. On average of four times a week, and it's generally when Billy and I are driving, I will have an encouraging word for another driver. And what's your words? Two of them. Be nice. Be nice. I said, but honey, that was nice. Nice. And I go back to the Scripture and said, you remember the old self, don't you? This is the new self. This is nice. But it's not by that comparison. It's by God's desires for us. And so God's looking at us, and he's going, yes, you can. You are. That's it. And then he finishes it off with this. He says, above all, verses 14 and 15, and we'll get 16 through 17, but he says this, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. And I'm going to tell you, he's starting to tell us how to live. He gave us three things right there. He said, put on love, very first thing. Then he said, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. And he said, be thankful. Now, you're going to have a list of these. There's going to be about seven things, okay? But he says those three. Now, we go to verse 16. He said, let the Word of God richly dwell richly among you. You get this? Not only is it just us individually, but remember, he says, we've got to be together. So, he's saying all of these things are among us as well. In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another... We need each other. That's why we have community groups. We need each other. And it showed there that community group leader training, if you're interested in it, look, it's after the informational meeting today and next week but it's there for you. And then we go to verse 16. He says, let the Word, okay, there dwell richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. And then he says, "In psalms and hymns and worship together, right? Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Here's where he gives us point four and five. Let the Word of Christ dwell among you. And he's saying, now, I want you to get it right with you, but we need each other. You're my family. And he says, have a grateful heart. And I love it because at first he says, be thankful. But then he changes it over here and he said, but be grateful. And you remember when we talked about this, thankful is you thank the person for what they've done, the gift. Grateful is being thankful to the person's heart because their intentions were so good for you, right? So that's where the shift is in that. And then we go to verse 17, finishing off for today. It's, whatever you do in word and in deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Point six and seven, do everything in the name of the Lord and give thanks. There's seven things there. Now, let me just say, there's some of you are sitting here going, Chuck, seriously, you're giving me a list of seven things to do. I, it's difficult for me to imagine doing a list of seven things. Really? How many drove here today? How many rode with somebody that drove here today and was scared to death? Okay. There you go. You know what I'm talking about. There's the hands going up. Okay. She was waiting for that opportunity. She said, finally. Okay. Okay. So let me just think about this. You drove here today, and a list of seven things from God is too much for you. But you drove. Let's talk about the things you had to think about just driving here that you've learned to do automatically, right, because you've driven. Stay in the proper lane. Speed limit, if that matters to you. Changing lanes, turn signals, wear a seat belt. Make sure you're licensed. Make sure the car's licensed. Make sure you have insurance. Make sure the other people in the car have a seat belt on because you're responsible for them. How many did I just name? More than seven. Yet you did all of those things to drive a car from your house to here, and you want to tell me doing seven things for God is too much? Seriously? Think about everything in your life and all the rules that we've learned, the things that we do automatically. And what God is saying here is, all of those, we can do this because now we have identified with Christ. That's how God sees us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what God is doing. Let's look at this again with the big idea, just as a reminder. As a result of knowing and surrendering to Jesus Christ, you and I are different. You and I are different. And therefore, we should live different, and we should be known by how we live, not how we tell other people, but how our life is. And so when we're doing today, we just have to ask the question, we're going to do communion here together. But let me just tell you, it's just been something God has just worked on me over the years. But here's what Satan wants to do to keep you from responding today. Remember I talked about, it's easy to think about the things we did, and I won't do those anymore, but it's that part about who we were back then that Satan wants to continually bring up, that part of it. Here's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to bring guilt so that you feel guilty, and therefore you have shame. That's the chief tool of Satan is shame in all of our lives that results in you being paralyzed, immobilized, and not serving God. That's what Satan wants to do. Let me tell you what God wants to do. God wants to bring the Holy Spirit that brings conviction, not guilt. And through conviction, it leads us to repentance. It leads us to forgiveness. And then it empowers us to serve the living God, to serve the king of kings. That's God's plan. It's been there all along for us that that conviction in our heart about who we are, and who we are in him and where we want to grow that results in repentance and it results in forgiveness. Remember, the bill's been paid. Just pull up. Your license plate's already been read. God's ready to wash you clean. Is that a cool thing or what? And yet with that forgiveness comes empowerment, and that's what scares Satan. When you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, by what God is doing in and through you, I will tell you, it scares Satan. And frankly, I love that. I love every day, I have this picture. When Satan wakes up, I want him to know I've been up reading my Bible before he got up. And he needs to be afraid because today's not gonna be a good day for him. And frankly, tomorrow's not looking much better either. But that's what God wants for us. And that's why God's given us his word. We're going to pray and we're going to take communion together as a church family, as a community of faith. I'll explain that so everybody's on board. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you, Father. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. We're so grateful, Father, that you see the best in us before we could even see it ourselves. And you're such a patient God, but yet, Father, you desire the very best for us. As your sons and daughters. I ask your blessings on each person here. May we walk in the fullness of knowing we are identified with Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't grab and were given one of the communion cups that we have, All you have to do is raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring it to you. Is there anybody that does not have one that needs one? How cool is that? Here at Summit Church, we practice open communion, meaning there's no litmus test and you don't have to take a written test. If you say, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, then we invite you to take communion with us. And there's a couple of things. One, as we move forward, I'm just going to ask you a simple question to prepare, to make sure two questions. first one is simply this. Do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? Do you know you're identified with Christ beyond a shadow of a doubt? I'm going to pray very briefly. If you do not have that assurance in your life and you say, today is my day, nobody's going to mess with you except I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because we want to pray specifically. Just that simple. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you and we love you that you would send your Son Father, to be crucified and die on that cross, blood shed for us to cover our sins, so the bill is paid. Father, we thank you. I ask every person here, Father, would you guide them in their hearts? If Jesus Christ were standing here today, do you have the absolute assurance beyond a shadow of a doubt that you could look at him and say, I know you, and he would look at you and say, I know you. He would call you by name and say, I'll present you spotless to our Father. The bill has been paid. If you do not have that assurance and say, today is the day, I want to pray and ask God to forgive me and to be known as one of his very own. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Just keep your hand up. There you go. Father, with our, our fellow brother right there with his hand raised, Father, I ask you to lead him through in his heart, and I pray, Father, for him to receive the fullness of who you are and who he is in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you not to get up right now, but when we finish, would you go to one of our prayer teams on either side? They'll be there, and we have a gift for you. Here's the second thing. God is very clear in the Scriptures, and he tells it through the Apostle Paul that, We're not to have anything between us and God when we take communion. And that he was very specific to the church as he was speaking there. And that doesn't mean you're not a follower of Christ. What that means is there's something in your heart that's just not right. And you don't feel fully connected there. You can put your hand down for me over here. Thank you. And so what I'm going to do is pray right now. But this is going to be on you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out, okay, as we're doing this. And I have the privilege of serving them. But what happens here is I'm just going to say, is there anything that's between you and God that you say in this moment before you take communion? And the scripture says, let every person examine himself then so to eat the bread and drink of the cup. I'm going to pray. I'm going to allow you just to sit there. You don't have to do anything. I get to serve our worship team, and then we'll do communion together. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you. And I pray right now, if there's anything any of us have that would separate us or be a hindrance or an obstacle between you and us, Father, I pray that you would give each of us the courage to say, Father, please forgive me and clear that up, whatever that is. Please continue to pray right where you're seated, right there. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, as he gathered with the disciples, first he took the bread, and he prayed over it, and he asked God to bless it. Father, we ask that you would bless this bread representing the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. If you'll take the bread now as a representation of the body of Christ broken in Jesus' name. Then after the dinner, Jesus took the wine, he blessed it, and he said, this is my blood that will be shed for you because shed blood was required to cover sin. He knew what was taking place. Father, we ask you to bless this now as a representation of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Let's take this together now. Father, we thank you for the privilege As our Lord and Savior said, do this in remembrance of me. Each time you do this, remember me. Father, in this moment, we choose to remember the sacrifice of your Son for our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.